With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Here. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Kahn. Tonight, the Iowa Wild look to finish off the Milwaukee Admirals when the teams meet in Milwaukee for Game 3 of their playoff series. You can hear the game right here on 1460 KXNO after Barnstormers Weekly. Tonight in Nashville, the 2019 NFL Draft kicks off. Iowa tight ends TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant are both projected to be first-round picks. On the local front, Green Bay has the 12th and 30th picks in the first round. The Vikings select at 18, and the Bears and Chiefs will be without first-round picks. Last night in baseball, the Javi Baez show continues in Chicago. The Cubs hold on for a 7-6 win over the Dodgers. The call from the Cubs television network. Yesterday afternoon, the Cardinals make it five in a row. 2-1 pitch, Ozuna. Out to left, it is gone! He was due, and a three-run homer puts the Cardinals on top. The call from Fox Sports Midwest. In Game 7 of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, the Hurricanes and Capitals in double overtime. Hurricanes keep it alive. Williams touch the net. Score! The call from NBC Sports. The Hurricanes move on to face the Islanders. And in the NBA playoffs, the Rockets finish off the Jazz 193. And the Clippers extend the series against the Warriors with a 129-121 road victory. Lou Williams with 33 in the victory for the Clips. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Hour number two, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO with you for another hour. More draft conversation, bottom of the hour, then we'll go on record. I want to see if we can get a couple of picks. See if we can hit the nail on the head. It's just pick two teams. Two teams, okay. Harder than you think. Yes. Speaking of harder than you think, I want you to be Theo Epstein. Okay. Because they Do I get his check? No. No, no you don't. Um, You get his place in sports history, which is... Pretty good one. It is for Darn say. I mean, snapping two streaks like he did with the Red Sox and the Cubbies. Mm-hmm. Think about that double, uh, daily double. So I'm going to be a Hall of Famer. You're going to be a Hall of Famer, but you're going to have to decide what you're going to do with Addison Russell when he comes, when he's ready to go back up to the bigs. He's down here last night. Uh, I follow Tommy Birch on Twitter, like I'm assuming a lot of people do, and he was tweeting the, um, the progression of, of Addison Russell as the game went along. I believe he had a couple of hits, stole a bag, got mm-hmm. thrown out. Reach via error, but that aside, he's going to be called up at some point, at least you would think. So you're going to have to make a roster move, and you're going to have to find a place for him to play. Now, in their championship year, he drove in 90-something. Now, he had 90-something RBI. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. unbelievable the year that he had. Really, really good. Seemingly, every time they need a big hit, he was the guy. The Great point. He had so many clutch hits, no doubt about that. Um but Javi Baez 
is every bit the shortstop. And, and Addison Russell's a good shortstop. When they got him from <laughs> Oakland, I mean, he was he was talked about as being an elite defender at the big league level. Absolutely. And showed signs of that. So I'm not knocking his defensive ability. I just love Javi Baez and what he does. So where are you going to play Addison Russell? And before you say, well, just put him at second base, Descalzo's been terrific. He really has. He has been, yes. David Bodie needs to play more than he is. He's a great bat off the bench. Zobris is that veteran leader that, you know, he continues to produce. He's at the end. Ian Happ's going to have to find a place, I would think, at some point he's going to get an opportunity to go back up. So the Cubs have a problem as to where they're going to play this guy, if they're going to play this guy. Where are they? What are they going to do, Theo? What are you going to do? I have already made my phone calls about, is anybody interested in bringing Addison Russell? You're getting dimes on the dollar. You are. Is yeah. that worth it at this point, though? Is, are you better? Are you further ahead? With the PR nightmare that goes with it, the in-place, in-house replacements that you already have, mm-hmm. flexibility of the payroll. What else could be done there? Could you make a big move? What What is the... We want a relief pitcher if you can get one You for do. Him. Is there anybody, though, that you're willing to pay mm. that kind of price? You're still giving up a very talented mm-hmm. baseball player to do that. Mm-hmm. You still have a log jam. Even without Addison Russell there, It's there's still those questions. Yeah, if you move Bias to second, you still got the same problem. Right. Because then you got... You mentioned stuff. Ian Happ. Right. Who I still think is going to turn into be a very too. solid major league I player. I do, too. So you have the same... Th- who else can you move? Well, you I mean you Hap can play outfield. I think Bodie can play outfield clearly. Mm-hmm. Brian can play outfield if he has to. But it's um I mean, there's a glut of talent. I don't think you can at this point, you can go to Javi Baez and say, you know what, you just slide over to second base. We're gonna give Russell his spot back. Baez has been phenomenal at the shortstop position. And then like, you make Russell a second baseman, backup shortstop. But With you, his glove, I mean, it's, you're going to have to make a roster move, Trent. Somebody is going to be, you know, down here or outrighted. I don't I mean if they don't have any options left. Right. You're not getting rid of Zobris. You're not getting no. rid of Bodie. Descalzo, who I thought was kind of a wasted signing, I think I said it's kind of like taking sand to the beach when they sign him. He's been great. I'm dead wrong there. Zobris would be the guy. To what? To designate? Yeah. I mean, he's, at, he's, he's at the top of your lineup. I, he's old. Yeah, seemingly for for an MLB player, thirty seven. Um, yeah, but look at the year he's off to. He's good. off to a pretty good start. He doesn't have the same defensive flex. He's not as good. He can still play a lot of positions. He's not nearly a defender he once was. No, of course not. Uh uh-uh. uh But he's a veteran presence in that clubhouse. And yes, you know, sure you've got Hayward, and Hayward's been a revelation. Um, and Rizzo's probably, I guess, he's the leader of that team, right? Yeah. If you had to put point to one. Um, Almora seems like a quiet leader. He's so good in center field. Yes, he, he has is. taken that spot, and he's not giving that up. That bat, though. Well, well Almora? You're talking about Almora's yeah. bat? Yeah. You need more. It's. I thought there was going to be, not a breakthrough. I never thought he was going to be a great offensive player. Mm-hmm. But I thought there would be more than what we've seen to this point. Mm-hmm. I, the bat certainly has been a disappointment. As good as he is defensively. Oh, he's really good. Now, if Hayward keeps hitting like this, you can get away with it. Yeah, true. Because, yeah, because your left fielder, if it's Schwarber, he's not hitting worth a crap. Right, right. You can get, but your outfield is Hayward that we saw the last two years. Mm-hmm. Almora that can't do anything mm-hmm. at the plate, Yeesh. and Schwarber that Ooh. will hit some bombs, and that's about it. Yeah, that's yuck. That is. And then you got all those infielders that are all good. Mm-hmm. 
maybe just start moving a few more of those in the outfield. Yeah, I don't know. What it's to it's do. a difficult spot. I would I guess if I was I had to do it, it'd be Zobrist. I wouldn't go there. No. I so where are you going? I don't know. You're Theo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you put it all on me. Yeah, that's right. Um You came up with the question, but you don't have to answer. That's no. how it works. All right. I mean it, I would have liked to have, you know, you, you, Cappy always says that they'll eat contracts if they have to. Well, I thought that, that they were going to be eating a lot of Jason Hayward money. Hayward's been great this year. You mentioned you're going to get pennies on the dollar for Addison Russell right now. It might be worth it, though, Trent. It's going to be a PR nightmare. Mm-hmm. Some of the details of that account are harrowing. Mm-hmm. It is ugly, the things that he did, allegedly did. Right. To his girlfriend at the time, I believe girlfriend, it was. Girlfriend, yeah, he's moved on. He's, mm-hmm. I believe him and his... He's either engaged or... I know he's got another child with his now, I guess, fiance. That's bad stuff. Do you, do you want it? Because we're not talking about an MVP. A good player. A very mm-hmm. above-average major league. His leader. year that he drove in 90-plus, Trent, I look, you just look like the sky's the limit for this guy. But if you go out, you get a, a solid mineral reliever for him and say, let's just wash our hands clean before... We even have to deal with it. Maybe mm-hmm. that's just the best move. Yeah, last night down at uh, at Principal Park, um, I, I, I saw Keith was down. I don't know if Keith was down there, but Thirteen was down there, and Birchie was there. And they mentioned the fact that you know the reception that he got when he was introduced in the starting lineup and when he was uh, introduced for his plate appearance, it was for the most part positive. Um, nobody mentioned the fact that they heard any boos. Now, will that be? Is that just Iowa nice? Uh, I mean, he's he's going to get it on the road for sure. You, you would think, and I, I don't know. It's, I guess, is is is. I don't think that this is one of those good problems to have. I don't. I don't think. Right. You know, you can you you love those good problems to have, but then when you consider the baggage that goes along with it, I don't know if this is um this quantifies as that. Uh, let's get Mark in here. Mark, welcome to uh, Miller and Condon. Uh, how are you, Mark? Hey, Kenny. Good. I'm, I think uh, I, I would be in the line of uh, moving Addy, but uh, if you can't get anything for him, if you're asking who is expendable, in my opinion, uh, it would be uh, Schwarber, mm-hmm. and it would have been better if he'd been hitting a little bit better. But I think uh, you know they were they were talking about trades with him earlier, but that's that's what I would. I would think, you know. Yeah, get him to the American League and let him be a DH, maybe in Boston with mm-hmm. the Penske pole in the short right field porch or something like that, Yankees. Yeah, I, I could see that, Mark. I could. So you're okay with, uh, if they can get something for Russell, do it. But if not, Schwarber would be your odd man out. Absolutely. And pitching is pitching's the key. That's where we need the help. And, uh, you know, I think it is a good problem to have. Uh, but, you know, as far as uh, you don't want to ruin the clubhouse, uh camaraderie either there's a lot of chemistry there and that's where you know when you mentioned Zobrist or any of those guys um even Bodie's really come on as far as a clubhouse guy as far as a, a bench player or whatnot and uh yeah there's they've got good chemistry I think yep good stuff Mark agree with you on Bodie boy has a lot of big hits thanks for the yeah. call Mark appreciate a call anytime even a year ago when he thrust onto the scene yeah, and that wasn't big that hit, something he's just and didn't he do it it wasn't his call up he's a Denver kid and didn't he get called up to the show for the first time, or maybe hit his first home run at Coors last year? Do you remember that? Was it a grand slam too? I don't remember. Maybe a game winner. Game winner, maybe. Yeah, it was. Belt. It was a big one. I remember that. Addison Russell, you're getting nothing, and and that's the other thing. Other teams don't want to deal with this headache that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. They don't want to well, deal with the PR. The Astros part of it. took a zoom off uh, the Blue Jays. 
And he's been really good as their closer. Yeah. You know? Araldis Chapman seemingly or seamlessly went back to um, to the Yankees. We'll see. Uh, we'll take a time out. We're going to talk, uh, speaking of big games, uh, the Iowa Wild got a chance to sweep their series with Milwaukee. We'll spend five or six minutes with Joe O'Donnell on that. Then a whole lot more draft conversation, including before we leave. Trent and I are going to identify two teams, see if we can get their pick right. Should we take Arizona out of the equation? Tyler, it- yeah. Just just because it's too easy. The betting is, odds were too yeah. steep. Is San Francisco too easy? Because that was going to be one of mine, and I was going to have a one nothing lead on you. Oh. Nick Bosa is going to be a Niner. Isn't he? What about Quinn and Williams? All right, we'll leave it in. We'll leave it in. <laughs> uh, what have you got now? Oh, I got this. Well, I know what that is. It's time to go for the green with KAXNO and EKG Golf. Text the keyword hockey to 200 200 right now to enter win $1,000 cash. That's hockey to 200 200 standard uh, message and data rate supply. Back with the voice of the wild, Joe O'Donnell, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 14. It's 24 hour sports, morning, noon, and night here on 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Iowa Wild play here tonight. Puck drop at 7 here. The game is game number 3. Wild win. They move on to the next round. They get beat tonight. They try again tomorrow. If that fails, they get another chance on Monday. They're up 2 nothing. It's a great spot to be in. Let's go to Milwaukee's The Voice of the Iowa Wild. And Joe O'Donnell joins us. Joe, Trenton, Ken, how are you? What's up, fellas? Glad to be on with you again. No, glad to have you on, and uh, looking forward to, to tonight's game. And you know, let's let's guess, uh, let's go back to game two. Real tight game, Joe. Uh, they got a big goal at the end of the second period, seemingly, and then just carry that over into the third. Uh, is that the kind of the way you saw it? Is that the way it went? I, I mean, I think you have to, Kenny, because it was. I would imagine a deflating goal for Milwaukee at that point with just 10 seconds left in the second period on Tuesday. It was a 1-1 game. The Admirals had played much better than they did in game one. They were still very much in the game. Uh, They took an undisciplined penalty late in the second period. And the wild power play, which was second in the league uh, at the end of the regular season, took advantage of it. Matt Reeve was in a good spot, banged home a rebound, and it was 2-1. And then the wild, you know, Carl Taylor, the Admirals head coach, told me just a couple minutes ago he liked where they were at even five minutes into the third. But then he said, look, uh, you know, Iowa basically executed. They took care of their chances, and all of a sudden the game uh, got turned around pretty quickly and ends up being 6-1. Joe, uh, with uh, the you at the arena right now, we can hear some some puck behind Love you it. going on. Love it. Is it the Wild on the ice right now or the Admirals uh, going through a walkthrough? Uh, Milwaukee's done with their morning skate. 11.15 is usually the time the visitors hit the ice uh, pretty much every arena. So it is the Wild out there right now. And I, I, I spent a few minutes watching Milwaukee skate this morning, and it was very quiet. Mm. Um, and I, I wonder if that, you know, tells you anything. We'll see how the Wild are. Generally, even when the Wild were going through that eight-game winless skid towards the end of the regular season before snapping out of it, they were a group that had some pep in morning skates. That's just sort of the personality of this bunch. Um, so we'll see if this is business as usual for the Wild or if it's, uh, you know, if you get some of that up, uptick in emotion and, and the chirping and the yelling and stuff like that. We'll see because uh, they sort of just got onto the ice and started their drills now. But I was at least intrigued by finding that Milwaukee seemed to be very quiet 
uh, as far as the group goes on the ice this morning. Uh, did the team know that the uh, that the Minnesota brass was in town on Tuesday, Joe? Did Coach Army or anybody let on? Did the you know I, I'm a, I'm guessing Boudreaux or nobody Fenton went down to the dressing room prior to the game, or maybe they did. Help us out with that. Yeah, sometimes they will. I mean, Paul Fenton, the Minnesota GM, has been down around the locker room pregame before, postgame uh, for sure when he's come to town. In fact, tail end of the regular season, that, that last weekend there he was in the barn and, and wasn't certainly hiding from the group. I didn't get the sense that anybody went down before the playoff game, but I was also sort of saddled up in the press box there. So I, I can't give you a complete honest assessment whether or not that happened, but it is a good question. I don't know if the guys knew. Sometimes management likes to keep that to themselves. Um, you know, a lot of these guys are trying to make an impression, and certainly some of them did on Tuesday. Mason Shaw is a guy that had a heck of a game. I know Bruce Boudreaux took note of that, according to Mike Russo's column in The Athletic. So Carson Soucy was another guy that the Minnesota coach uh, went out of his way to sort of elaborate on that he had a good game. So it was probably maybe not even from a management perspective, but having the Minnesota head coach and Boudreaux there probably had more of an impact on some of these young guys you know, they can make an impression on him and heading into training camp next year, no matter how long this run goes on, at least he has seen them firsthand in, in a playoff environment. Joe, with that, Milwaukee, the arena tonight, I, I know they play, what, at UW-Milwaukee's basketball arena is the home ice yep. there for the Admirals. What kind of crowd is anticipated this evening? I don't know, Trent. I, it's tough to say. Um, you know, again, I, I thought that the, the crowds at Wells Fargo Arena were outstanding based on what I know about the American Hockey League and first-round playoff games. Uh, now, granted, that goes back to Houston, so it's been a while since I've seen first-round playoff games. But, um, <laughs> listen, it's it's the crowds that turned out in Des Moines were better than what the league average would tell you, The better than what I've seen from my track record in the league. And I know our president, Todd Fredrickson, was absolutely thrilled with, with the fans and the way they turned out. I don't know what Milwaukee's expecting for a Thursday night game. It could be the last chance to see this group for them. So I'd expect, you know, their passionate bunch will be out here, but if they have more than 3,000 or so in the building, I think I'd be pretty, I guess, pleasantly surprised. Uh, last thing, Joe, uh, is it a building issue that's going to keep you guys, assuming it goes five, and we certainly don't hope that it doesn't, that you guys get the hell out of Milwaukee and back here to Des Moines, <laughs> uh, but is, yeah. is it a building issue that's preventing a, a game this weekend? Yeah, the Milwaukee Wave soccer team oh God. Um, won their playoff game last weekend, or Sunday would have. They, the league would have moved Monday's possible game five to Sunday, and I believe uh, the I think they're called the Brew City Bruisers uh, Women's Roller Derby. That's on Saturday, so they've got Roller Derby Saturday, indoor soccer Sunday, and then a potential game five would be here Monday. So certainly the Wild don't want to hang around. Uh, on the bus after the game, heading to Milwaukee Tuesday night into the wee hours of the morning. And yesterday, the few guys I talked to, they seem like they know what's at stake. They're a confident group, this wild team. They don't want to be here any more than anybody else. It's sort of like, let's win this damn thing and get it get it over with. So I hope that is the mindset and the approach from the wild tonight. We'll find out at 7 o'clock. Key to the game is what? I think getting off to a good start. I think if you give the Admirals any hope, you're digging yourself a deeper hole. Wild score first. They break the will of the Admirals with their stingy defensive play and that hard-nosed physical approach, and we'll find out real quick if Milwaukee wants to try and extend their season or if they're looking forward to golfing. Good stuff, Joe O'Donnell. We're looking forward to round two of the Calder Cup playoffs here taking place in downtown Des Moines. Thanks, Joe O'Donnell. Appreciate you coming on. We'll be listening tonight, my friend. Thanks, guys. See you. Yeah, good to talk to you. Joe O'Donnell, voice of the Iowa Wild. Puck drop tonight at 7. Uh, Barnstormer Weekly, 6 to 7. And then uh, 6 Iowa, to 645. Oh, 645. Gotcha. So and Joe Stacy gets show. out 15 minutes early. He does. And company.
Gets um, to have an extra cocktail after the show at Mac Shack. At the Mac Shack. We'll come back. We're going to talk NFL draft. Trent and I are going to go on record. We're both going to pick two. Two. Two teams. Any two. You feel confident on two. I, I don't. Okay. I feel confident on Nick Bosa going to the Niners. You believe that's a lot? I do. I think it's set in stone. You can go ahead and write that mm. in in pen. I also think that the center from North Carolina State is going to be a Viking. Bradbury? Yes. Which allow iFlying to move over to guard. Where he was not very good as a center last year. No, he was bad. But he was hurt, don't forget. Very true. Um, He's always hurt. Yeah, and uh, Jacksonville's going to take an offensive lineman. I just... Sounds like you want to go more than two. Oh, I've got options, Trent. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk more draft next. Miller and Condon here till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. And we hear you. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you for another 20 minutes or so. We're going to talk NFL Draft until we leave, and then we'll come back tomorrow, Trent, and we'll talk NFL Draft when we get back. And okay. We'll do it again on Monday. Yeah, and, let's do it. Oh, I love this time of year. Uh, Matt Manasarian, uh, Sports Info Solutions. He's been busy. He joins us. All your work comes to, not an end tonight, but uh, it's the test tonight. And will you guys over at Sports Info Solutions pass it? Matt, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm doing great. I mean, like you said, this is the, the happiest time of the year. We get to kind of open the gifts tonight. Yep. And, uh, you know, what we won't find out is anything about how good a job we did in terms of projecting the players tonight. We won't find that out until they're actually on the field. But uh, we'll, we'll get a feel for how the NFL team's opinion, opinions compared at the end of the day. No doubt about it. Matt, who's the guy that man, maybe you don't want to watch or read other people's mock drafts? Um, who's the guy that, you're, that you've seen in mocks that just... You're scratching your head. Boy, maybe they're right, but I just don't see it that way. Is there one guy, maybe a top 10, a top 15, that you know everybody, or not everybody, but a lot of mock, uh, mock draft uh, folks are in love with that you just don't understand? Well, I mean, certainly these quarterbacks, when it comes to Drew Locke and Daniel Jones, I think there are a lot of split opinions on these guys. But really, when, when you look at what they've done on the field, I think it's, it's hard to come away with any other conclusion other than you know what Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray, Murray did on the field this past year, this is what NFL quarterbacks they look like they can be sufficient depending on what kind of an offense they get into. You didn't see that from Drew Locke and Daniel Jones. They put a lot of film out there over the last few years, and neither of these guys is somebody that I think really elevated their college teams in, in a big way. And I don't know why we would expect that on the NFL level either. It, it makes me scratch my head and kind of wonder what these other people are, are seeing. Because uh, if you're basing it on the film, I, I don't, I don't see how you could come to that conclusion. A lot of different directions to go here. Of course, at the top, Kyler Murray, anticipated by most to be the number one overall pick. When you go through and you scout, who's the best player though? Not, not in terms of need or anything else. Who do you have as as the top ranked player out of this 2019 class? Number one player, and it has been the whole way, is Quinnen Williams. Mm. Um, he's absolutely separated himself from the pack. To give you an idea of how good we think Quinnen Williams is, I, I personally love Ed Oliver. I think he's got he's a blue-chip prospect in this draft. I think he's worthy of being a top-five pick. I think Quinnen Williams easily separated himself from Ed Oliver in terms of his upside this year. He's got scheme versatility. 
He can be a plus player in the run game and the pass game from day one. Just a level of explosion and special physical tools. And then he doubled down on it. You know, I don't think the combine should change your opinion on anybody. But when you see special athleticism on the field and then he goes and backs it up with a four eight three at over 300 pounds, then, you know, one plus one equals two. And you've got a pretty good idea of what you're getting there. So he's the top guy for, for us by the SIS football rookie handbook. And uh, I think whoever gets him is going to be getting the, the best prospect tonight. I've seen Ed Oliver fall into the teens, and I, and I scratch my head every time I do. Does the um, the, the, the histrionics, the, when he snapped at the, at the coach on the sidelines there late in the year, is that playing a role? Is, is that, did that leave a sour taste with some teams? Is that why maybe um, he's fallen? Because I think I'm with you. I think he's a hell of a player. I think at the end of the day, we're going to see that he's going to creep back up in, into, uh, I think, the kind of four, five, six range in terms of where he ends up going. Um, but, I, you know, it's hard for me to understand because sometimes there's just, uh, you know, teams seem to have uh, opinions that don't seem to match what you're seeing on the field. Less often it's because of things like that. You know, Baker Mayfield got a pass for for having his his sort of, emotions show on his, on the field because of his leadership ability. I, I wouldn't bet that Ed Oliver would be really different, and I, and I don't know that NFL teams would be that turned off by that. But they do tend to seem to be turned off by something because mm-hmm. uh, when you watch him play on the field, even playing out of position as a zero technique, he was just all over in the backfield constantly, just ridiculous. We talked about Quinton Williams' explosion off the ball. The one attribute that Ed Oliver really, I think, even separates himself from Quinton Williams is just – the crazy first step explosion um, and that's why you hear like people you know giving the tempered Aaron Donald comparisons um, so it, it's uh, it's it's uh, a lot of talent up there and, and sometimes I don't I, it's hard for me to understand why people would ever be talking about him dropping into the teams it's, it's just not what matches on the film you know as you go through this Matt uh, the story from last weekend the Raiders and John Gruden seemingly sending everyone home, all their scouts home, as a former NFL scout. Take us in and, and the decision behind that, your takeaway as you read through that story. So in some ways it's really weird, and in some ways it, it's not weird at all. It kind of depends on what's going on on the details. So to give you a glimpse, in, in New Orleans we had a very open draft room. Mickey and Sean run the show there. Nobody questions what's going on. I'm saying Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton, of course. Um, nobody has any questions about that. And, and while I was there, at least, there was never really like a big lockdown thing. Of course, we're not going to let the media department in the team, you know, the PR people come in and look at the draft board. But the coaches and the scouts, we, we sat, we had our draft meetings. We all see what the board looks like. We put the board away at the end of the day. And uh, that was that. In Cleveland, it was obviously a place where there was a lot of distrust. Hmm. And, I mean, it was so crazy there that, they wouldn't really show all of the scouts even what the decision makers were thinking. And at times, they would intentionally put incorrect players at the top of the board to kind of throw people off. So in case anybody did sneak in and think they were getting a glimpse, they would be getting an incorrect glimpse. And, and that, I think, goes back to a lot of the kind of culture that existed in Cleveland at the time, which, which wasn't a healthy one. So what I'll say with this is, Everybody, you know, a lot of people go home for this weekend before the draft, and then they'll report back to the office on Monday of this week, or maybe even Tuesday or Wednesday of this week, because most for most of the scouts and coaches, there's not a lot that you're going to really be having to do with the process at this point. Um, but 
usually, you know, you go home, but you come back into the office for the draft so that you're here and around. These guys, a lot of them are going to be moving on. These guys were not Mayox guys. These guys were old mm-hmm. regime guys. They're going to be getting different jobs as it comes. And there was clearly some distrust. So, you know, I would say if this was actually the guys that were going to be working there next year, then this would be very bizarre to me and, and kind of a more the the line of the way the Browns draft room was run when I was there rather than, than the Saints, which tells you I think all you need to know. <laughs> you know, there is there is a world where it's not totally crazy what's going on. Could uh, The theory that I heard, and I thought that, uh, you know, there might be something to this, that that uh, Mayock and or Gruden or both of them were were absolutely in love with Kyler Murray and were going to do what it took to get up and get that one from Arizona. But if it failed, they didn't want Carr, it, uh, the word to get out that, you know, that they were willing to move on from the guy that they would be not, not forced to go forward with, but kind of forced to go forward with. Did that theory make any sense to you? Yeah, I think there's some sense to that. I think that, um, you know, removing people... See, you can remove people from the room where you're having these conversations without sending them all home, which is kind of the, the, the interesting thing to me. You know, there's no reason if these two guys have a conversation that anybody else really needs to know about it. But at the same time, if you want to protect information and keep everything secure, that's the easiest way to do it. And certainly, you know, I think they are looking in other directions there, and I think wisely, because I think Carr has some limited upside, and they see that. So um, I, I think that that's very plausible what you're saying. Um, I, I don't know how effective it'll be in terms of, of keeping information right. from getting out because people like you and me will speculate. Mm. Who's the offensive lineman that you uh, that you like the best? Because uh, I think there's going to be a whole lot of them come off the board and maybe early tonight. Who's the uh, offensive lineman that graded out highest uh, at Sports Info Solutions? Garrett Bradbury, a center out of NC, NC State. Your guy. Yeah, that's right. Love him. Think he's a blue-chip prospect. You think about how Travis Frederick changed the Cowboys' offensive line a few years ago. This is a player who's much better in the pass game than the run game. So at SIS, we have a stat called Blown Blocks. It measures how often uh, an offensive lineman is defeated by a defensive lineman. In terms of blown block percentage, Bradbury was under 1% on passing plays. So that gives you an idea of how good he is in the passing game. He's He's an athletic guy who's got great contact balance and can really uh, be somebody, I think, that can be your center for the next 10 years if you draft him ideally. So I I love the athleticism that he brings there. He's not a grader in the run game. He's not somebody that's going to bring a lot of power to your offensive line. But this is 2019, and this is the modern NFL, and I think he's a great fit for any team that's trying to make their quarterback's job easier. The center is the quarterback's best friend. Um, you know they they spent a lot of time putting their hands in each other's you know where mm. so uh, they got it they they got to be real comfortable with it, with one another and and the real important reason for that is to make those calls on the offensive line and being on the same page about the protection so he's the guy that I know everybody wants to talk about offensive tackles more often I don't think there's your traditional bookend left tackle in this draft but I do think there are some guys on the interior and I think that Bradbury is the class of them. All right, let's go to the local level. Two anticipated first-round picks from the University of Iowa and two at the same position from tight ends. Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson. Where do you anticipate those guys will go tonight? I think Hawkinson goes early. I could see him going towards the end of the top ten. Uh, you know, If not then, then I think he's gone, certainly by the time you get to pick 15-ish. And I think there's a reason. You don't see a lot of prospects that come by that have the – combination of the ability to play as a wide tight end and as an F split out into the slot like you see with with Hawkinson. He's got the full 
well-rounded skill set. Um, that it's just rare in the draft that you have a guy that's a receiver like he is who can also block. Um, according to the football rookie handbook, he split out about 15% of the time. His teammate Font, he split out 30% of the time. So um, both of these guys have that ability as receivers, and, and, and you've seen it, and it makes sense. And certainly Font with the mismatch abilities with the size and speed combination. I think he's probably gone by the end of the first round. But he's going to be more of a slot receiver for whoever gets him. Um, you know, he's more fitting in with, with uh, you know, uh, one of these kind of guys that has become more common recently, but is not going to be somebody that's going to force you to play with your heavy personnel on defense necessarily. Teams are going to treat him like a receiver a lot of the times, whereas Hawkinson provides that versatility. Um, and, you know, uh, that's something that I think uh, the value of really gets lost on the fan at home sometimes relative to how the coaches and scouts look at things. Hmm. Hakeem Butler, second-round pick. I've seen a couple of mocks where he slides late. New England seems he needs a receiver. He's six foot six. Had some drops in his Iowa State career. Uh, your take on Hakeem Butler? Yeah, Hakeem Butler, I, I think uh, he's somebody that has certainly elevated uh, in the draft as soon as, as teams have examined him a little bit more. I think that second round is probably about right on him. It's a good reflection on what you see in terms of the physical upside that he brings to the table. Um, but, it, but it also takes into account that he wasn't the most consistent producer throughout the college career. You don't feel like, like you've got a, a necessarily sure thing, kind of number one type receiver. I think he slots in more as a number two, and that's why you think you'll see him go, maybe he could edge in at the end of the first round, but probably in the second round. And uh, David Montgomery's second day pick in all likelihood, the running back from Iowa State? Yeah, and uh, I think that would be a good result for him, honestly. Um, with, with Montgomery, what you find with him is that he's a strong runner. Um, he shows some ability to catch passes, which I think is good. But you don't see impactful, impactful play speed there. You don't see somebody that really upgrades what you can do on the NFL level um, and, and really uh, projects a lot of upside. I think he might slot in as more of a backup in the NFL um, I could see him going, you know, in the, in the second day. I could see him being a third-round pick. But for me, I think I'd probably be holding off a little bit more until the fourth or fifth round range with some of the depth that we see in running back in this draft. Uh, you uh, guys at uh, Sports Info Solutions made Trent and I sound a whole lot smarter as we move up to this draft. This, this book has been unbelievable. Uh, the Football Rookie Handbook has been terrific. Matt, thank you for what you've done for us. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much, guys. Good to talk to you. Matt Manasarian of uh, Sports Info Solutions. Trent, good book. Very, very helpful. Him, Mark Simon, uh, interesting group and different kind of that analytical look at things. Yeah. It's coming. No, it's here. It's, it's, it's here. Uh, us old guys don't really embrace it, um, but it's here. <laughs> you know, I was mentioning yesterday when I was on with Chris, as much as numbers I, interest me, I'm not a deep diver into mm-hmm. them, but I, I think there's... Certainly things that you can glean out of it. But one thing that you can never, ever figure out just with numbers is momentum. You're a hockey guy. We talked about momentum and that and how the ice felt like it was tilted uh, the night before in the Vegas San Jose in overtime. Just that momentum. Basketball. Hurricanes had all the momentum last night well, in the yeah, two overtime just, periods. End up winning it. You can't measure that, right? I don't think so. And that's why there's never going to be a perfect system for analytics, perfect system for sports wagering. There's always there is a human element to all of this. There is, but analytics plays a huge role. By the way, sports wagering. See Nevada in the month of March. I think they did five hundred and ninety six million dollars, an all time oh. record. 
Oh, Nevada's going to get killed. Oh, All they're going to be in states. trouble. They're in big trouble. Nobody's going to go to Vegas. Folks, I was in Vegas last weekend. It is as packed as it's ever been. Yeah. It's just nuts. There's so much to do and see. You know, the properties are spectacular. All right, let's you and I go on record. Your team doesn't have a pick. They do not. My team does. So I'm going to make my team's pick. Okay. And then I want to do two others. Any two teams. My, my team doesn't count. I, I think Denver's going to take um, a linebacker. I do. I think it's. I don't think Devin White from LSU is going to be there. I agree with you there. I think Devin Bush from Michigan uh, is a little bit undersized, but he's quick. And Fangio had your guy, Raquan Smith, and look what he did and mm-hmm. the impact that he's having. I think he wants a Smith uh, to man that uh, outside linebacker. I'll say Devin Bush is a Denver Bronco. Definitely can see that one. Now, this doesn't count in the picks. Okay, this doesn't count. Right. I With your team, I, I mentioned the nugget that Mark Emmert had passed along. So uh, With I'll, Hawkinson, yeah. I'll say Hawkinson. You get right. Hawkinson a 10. Will you be mad? Yeah. Not yeah. mad. Not disappointed. Um, I think they don't. I don't think. I think they need defense. Yeah. As a, as a Broncos fan, I think Hawkinson might play 12 years. If he's Jason Witten, okay. Um, but I don't know if he's going to be there at that point, Trent. I don't. Yeah. He might go even even quicker than that. We'll see. All right. Do you want to go first? You want me to? Yeah. I got I got one that I am locked in on. It's a guy that. Now, can we both pick the same one or do we have to have four different teams? No, that's fine. That's okay. fine. I'm going with the Vikings at 18. Oh, so am I. Who are you going to take there? Well, then you just got to pick an offensive lineman. I am. And when we talked earlier this week with Tim Yotter, mm-hmm. you mentioned they want to get more athletic. Mm-hmm. That's Andre Dillard of Washington State. Mm-hmm. It's a guy that I, I don't want or, to say a name. Cody Ford, Cody Ford's good, more of a mauler. Yeah, I think Dillard want to get more athletic up front. That's the guy to do it. Andre Dillard to the Vikings at eighteen. I'm going to take my guy Bradbury, who Manasseran yeah. um, just spoke about. Um, you know who raves about him and credits him for making him a better NFL football player uh, today uh, than he was when he was in college or preparing him. I guess better way to put it, Bradley Chubb. Says when we when he was teammates uh, with Garrett Bradbury, um, he absolutely too enthusiastic thumbs up from his former college football teammate at NC State. So I'll take Bradbury. Um, who's your next one? I'm going with the Raiders at 24. You're waiting that long. I'm going to 24. And it just seems like something that the Raiders would do. Well, they need a running back after Marshawn Lynch, Lynch retired yesterday. You're going running back. I'm going skill position. Not there though. Metcalf. Yep. DK Metcalf. Boy, he's got a Raider. He does look like a Raider, doesn't he? He does. Guy that didn't really play that well as a collegiate. No, but he... But he checks all the marks. He does. And Al Davis, even though he's gone, that spirit's still there. So I'm going Oakland for DK Metcalf. Hmm. Bosa's... I hate to just do this to you, Trent. It's too easy. No, no, no. Quinn Williams. No, Bosa's going to be a Niner. Bosa's a niner. You could, you, is that a bigger lock to you than even number one in Kyler Murray? It is to me because there's so much smoke around Kyler Murray right Bosa now. Bosa could still go one, though. Yeah, but I think if, it, if it's not Murray, I think it's Williams. I think Williams, will, if it's not Kyler Murray, Quinnen Williams from Alabama, who just dominated, my God, um, I think he goes. All right, here's the other question, the other skill testing question. It's our tiebreaker. Okay. There's no closest without going over like there will be at this time tomorrow when we give away Claxon's barbecue. How many quarterbacks in the first round? QBs. Three. The over-under was two and a half, so you're going over. I'm going over. 
I'll go. I'll take the under. Take the under just to be different. Yeah, I think so. I don't like anybody. I don't think Locke is going to go in the first round. So Jones from Duke is the Jones from Duke is the only guy that could elevate you into the win column. Mm-hmm. I think Drew Locke is a second round pick. And I wouldn't be surprised if Denver with their second rounder if Drew Locke is still there oh. because Elway loves him, but he's not he doesn't love him at 10. Mm-hmm. He but shouldn't it, at least. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um so Excellent. I know, I know. You don't have to remind me. <laughs> you get to see it every week. <laughs> I do. Um, now, I'll, I'll, I'll take two and a half. I think Haskins and Murray are the only two that go. Hawkinson goes to? Jacksonville. Jacksonville at, was it seven? Seven. I got him at 10 to your Broncos. Okay. Bant goes to? 30 to the Packers. 30 to the Packers. Seen a lot of that. This is not a hot take. I think Noah Fant's not going to be a first rounder, though. Really? You think he falls out? I bl- I believe so. Why? There's three. The blocking box unchecked. That one I think is the most overblown. Thing. I agree. He's with not you. as good as T.J. Hawkinson, but he is fine as mm-hmm. a run blocker. There's questions about love of the game, maybe some attitudinal things that cropped up. Yeah, those questions will be there. And the hands. He had a lot of drops in his career. Mm-hmm. He got another Butler. great one in Irv at Alabama. He'll be the second tight end selected. Irv Smith. And we will be waiting and talking about this tomorrow. Noah Fant still sitting in the green room. Uh, John Lester on the mound for the Cubbies today. Uh, I look forward to watching that. Busy night. Uh, Barnstormer Weekly at 6. The Fanatics are at Twin Peaks. And then Wild Hockey at 7. See you tomorrow, 1460 KXNO.